When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We're live here from St James's Park. Newcastle United have just been beaten 2-1 by Everton in what was rather an entertaining game. Um, not one we expected to be, but actually, um, I don't want to say end-to-end, I'm joined here by Kieran Kelly, but it was more attacking than maybe we've been used to um, this season from Newcastle United. But on the flip side, Kieran, they were pretty woefully, woeful there defensively, which isn't something we've been used to. No, that's the thing now, it's back-to-back games where you know they've, they've looked a bit porous at the back, which, as you said, we just haven't been used to, particularly in recent weeks. You think back to that Sheffield United game, uh, how they held out against Palace, um, Southampton at times. Whereas today, yeah, you're you're wondering why those three defenders are among their best. Um, just not, it's just not really happened defensively for them. They've looked a bit open. Um, really, you saw it with the second goal how things can change so quickly. Newcastle, the crowd could sense that maybe another comeback was on. They've seen two here uh, this month already. Um, with, you think back to the Bournemouth game and the Southampton game come from behind I think the fans could sense that if they could push them on you so before the goal Jolinton Almiro encouraged to press high Bruce was applauding their effort and you're thinking blimey they're, they're going for it here but just became a bit ragged and Everton picked them off Everton have so much pace going forward and the poor Florian is in third game in in a week and you know, on a foot race with Richarlison, he's not going to have much chance, even when he's he's fully hundred percent. And Calvert Lewin's in the form of his life at the moment under a new manager, so it was a shame, really. I think you know they have played a lot worse in defeat this season, um, but you're just looking ahead of these games now. That it doesn't get easier. Leicester next, and then you know you look what's to come in the league: Wolves um, and Chelsea, of course. Is it a bit of a worry though, because Newcastle's main strength this season has been that defence, and at one point. Uh, Federico Fernandez was playing the centre forward for about 30 seconds he was chasing down uh, Jordan Pickford and it just seemed like the discipline had gone and that was in the middle of the first half um, not ideal in something that maybe we still want to work on um, ahead of Leicester not that he's got much time to do so yeah exactly I, I, I doubt they'll be doing much um, but no it's it's such a fine balance because I think the confidence is in the players they're, they're trying things and I think it's such a delicate balance you saw with the Leicester game going back to the reverse fixture in September when he shifted four at the back and they were not ready for that there have been other times against Brighton where they pressed high and it didn't work and I think it's that really small steps are the key going forward in terms of evolving the team's style of play because um, they have to be so careful because they can very easily get picked off these players aren't packed with pace in the middle or at the back so they have to get that balance right and you just saw, as you said, that second goal probably summed up that that difficulty in how a lot of these players want to chase down, want to get the fans um, excited and, and keep them keep them on board. But equally, 
that can work against you then when you're stretched and you know Carroll loses the ball in midfield he's dispossessed and it just the whole team is stretched and they're taken apart now Almiron races through with about two minutes on the clock he stays on his feet he's shoulder to shoulder with Keane Keane then kind of goes across him uh, Chris Waddle on BBC says he should have gone down he was punished for being too honest Bruce has said similar it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Almiron's always got the goal in his side. But for you, he goes down there and it's a penalty. Yeah, you wonder. I mean, the I think I think he would have had grounds for it if he if he went down. I, it's I'm always a bit. You don't want to be looking back on decisions when you know the game was was very much there. Um, you know, Newcastle had, had gotten themselves level and and they had the platform there to just at least stay in it a bit longer than they did you know I think eight minutes was all they were level for today they're only in front for seven minutes against Manchester United that isn't what we are used to with this team they've been very very good at protecting leads and staying in touch particularly this month so for me I mean yeah you can look back on that decision you can I mean some people felt Carroll when he went down near the end should have been a penalty uh, of course the manner of Everton's first goals was very controversial I, I think Keane literally heads it over and then it's Newcastle get a corner so there are a few things you can gripe at you know Bruce already mentioned the injuries having to play so many games but I think in ways they, they will look back on that and think you know there were times they had it in their own hands as well Let's talk about Everton's first goal you mentioned there the, the controversy of it but it just seems prior to that and after that Newcastle were just struggling to get rid of Ball. They were struggling to clear the lines, and there was several times crosses were just going across the box. Thankfully, Everton didn't capitalise until that free kick. But it, it, we're not used to that. What was it down to tiredness? Because we can say yes, it should have been a goal kick. But at the end of the day, you've still got to defend. Newcastle had the opportunity to defend that free kick and failed to do so. Um, so why why didn't they manage to defend that free kick? And why weren't they stronger in the opening half of that first half in terms of actually you know getting rid of the ball? Yeah, I thought. You could see the first minute, as you mentioned there, the, the Almiron penalty shout. I thought it looked like they were racing out the blocks they want to get. You know, it's a big day with you know, all these new fans coming that they really want to get off to the, the best possible start. But once Everton settled, there was one point that Everton had 70% possession. Debrafka was far too busy in the early stages. And you're kind of wondering, you know, should this be happening so early on in the game? And Everton really, really settled quickly. Um, they they moved the ball out so comfortably and you just looked at uh <laughs> you just looked at um being interrupted um how Newcastle just couldn't get a foot on the ball and I I think that's been the worrying thing that um today whatever about not having possession um just that when you have it you have an out ball and you have you know, an, an idea, and very quickly you could see Carroll getting frustrated, feeding off scraps. And it was only really when Carroll had that offside goal ruled out that the team seemed to kind of get a lot of belief. And you could feel that on the terraces, there was an injection, and they really finished the half strongly, and and kind of went from there really. But yeah, you they, they they can't afford to make the mistakes they did against Manchester United, and they can't really afford to to let teams come here and dominate the ball like that. We saw it with Brighton earlier in the season how comfortable they were on the ball how as I said it's that delicate balance you don't want to be pressing so high because I don't know if this team can do that yet but equally Everton settled too quickly too easily for me yeah 
about the trouble of recording in a live press room. We have people trying to get coffee. Um, you mentioned there the the crowd coming back, fifty two thousand. You know, it looked great because the, the the seats were full. What did you make of the atmosphere though? Because it, I, I, I thought it was louder to begin with, but I felt when Newcastle really needed it towards the end, um, there was kind of just an acceptance that it was going to end two one. That there wasn't really that. I don't know if you've been in Newcastle, you know, throughout the, the, the years, and I say by Robson and under Rafa Benitez, there was always that kind of push yeah. towards the end, and we've seen it actually at times this season, but it just it just wasn't there today. I didn't think. Yeah, it was, I, I don't know. It was a half a sense of, I for me, I never really sensed Newcastle getting that second equaliser, and you know that sounds sounds odd when you look at that Man City game, how quickly they came back after that De Bruyne goal, um, but today, you know. They didn't really create anything after that share goal, which was the classic, you know, Carroll knockdown. He's done that three times this month and, and a defender scoring. Uh, they've had plenty of those. So I think it was a bit of, yeah, could the crowd have done more? Yeah, I think, like I said earlier, in the build-up to Everton's goal, ironically, I think they were really pushing the team on them. But it really did knock the wind out of sails, that second Everton goal. You could see the players, their, their shoulders just dropped that little bit. And it was almost a big ass to get back into it for a second time. So yeah, I, th- I think it's it's one to watch. I think it, whatever fans think about it, I think we all want to see um, the club united and uh, and see St James's Park rocking again. But equally, I can completely understand why people feel that they can't go along anymore. You know that it's absolutely they're right and they, they feel they can't be here long, as long as the owner's here and you have to respect that and, and applaud that because it's it's unnatural not to go along to support their team um, but yeah for these fans it's it's a chance to to see 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 the team and and, and see what they can do but yeah it, it's, it's going to be I think a, a strange atmosphere here for a few months and it probably won't be maybe till next season that it picks up once all that has settled down again there's a few things that we seem to mention quite regularly on the podcasts, and one of them is Martin Dubrovka. Again, in your five things we learn, maybe we should retitle that when it comes to Martin Dubrovka. Five things we already knew, but we'll, we'll, we'll tell you again because he is that brilliant. And he kept just pulling off saves again, and then it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for Martin Dubrovka. Yeah, I mean, I think after that Manchester United game, the, the fingers were being pointed at him again after the manner of Martial's equalised. We know Dubrovka can, can make that save normally gets in in his near post too too easily and he's had a few of those kind of moments in, in 2019 where it's, it's it's brought him back down to earth, it's reminded him he's not he's not perfect, not many goalies are but I think he, he made some key saves today, you know you look at the, I think it was only 10 minutes in he made that crucial double save, after half time he made a double save to keep it at 1-0 so he's, he's huge for this team and I mean yes he has that odd moment but nine times out of ten he's making those crucial saves so uh, again today he was an important player even though they lost for, for keeping them in it at various points They are from Kieran Kelly Kieran thank you very much for joining us just uh, got Lee Ryder here Lee um, two defeats and two um, not what we wanted over this festive period can you just sum up what you, you made of today's game well I mean they competed you can't say that they didn't really uh, sloppy goal from you know, in the first half, could have been avoided, but then should it have been a free kick? Is, is the other question. But they didn't clear the lines effectively after you know blocking it with the wall. Um, just just sloppy, really. But then you know they get back into the game um, in the second half, and then you know one one. You think 
there's only one winner here with Newcastle shooting towards the Gallagher end and Pickford flapping a bit. You just think they've got a real chance, but then so our character for Andy Carroll to give the ball away uh, where he did. Uh, I just spoke to him on his way out the ground there and had a, done a little bit of an interview with him and he was absolutely devastated by the defeat, really. Um, he's going to make mistakes, he's only human. And, you know, his his sort of mood, how disappointed and, you know, devastated he was that Newcastle have lost, it summed it up for me and it hits home a little bit how much that dressing room, the hurting after this defeat. So while it's disappointing, they've lost and they've lost back-to-back games, maybe the take-home message is, you know, that there's probably a group of players who really care about what what's happened out there uh, and they're determined to put it right, but... You know, incredible demands, even for professional footballers, um, to to have those that 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 many games in just two days. It's uh, it's quite a lot, but it's the same for everybody. So you can't make too many excuses. He had a good game today, Annie Carroll. It won nearly everything. Um, arguably, should have had a penalty, in my opinion. I think it was a definite penalty at the end there with Sibidi, um hands all over him. Um, I'll get your take first on on that penalty. And second of all. Just the fact he's playing so many games and he's got another 90 minutes under his belt today and he doesn't look like the player that we maybe someone worried he would do when he signed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the, a different version of Andy Carroll we'll see now. We all knew he had raw ability when he was here the first time. Now it's experience. I mean, even a game at Burnley uh, a couple of weeks ago where he conceded the free kick... But, but stood over the ball and argued with the referee so Burnley couldn't get the free kick taken quickly allowing his team to reset so that's why he's probably so devastated that one little blip has cost Newcastle the game um, tonight and going on the penalty incident yeah probably was but at the end of the day I just think sometimes players like Andy Carroll they get stereotyped because he's such a big lad and if he goes down it's almost like he shouldn't be going down because he's such a big unit in the eyes of the referee so he's not getting the rub of the green in terms of decisions but um, you know going forward you just hope that they can they can rest up in the, the next three or four days and then you know push for um, push for the game against Leicester from Carroll to Jolinton Jolinton out on the wide where many people have said he probably should be playing and, and Steve Bruce is very impressed with him again today what, what did you make of Jolinton's performance? Well, I mean, it's it's not from for the one to try, and I mean, there's a lot that's been thrown at him, but you know, he's trying to you know get this barren spell out of the way. Um, had a couple of shots on the turn, which you know he managed to get a couple of shots on target today, but interestingly, didn't win as many aerial balls as as he, as he normally does. Maybe a different type of game. Um, he just needs one to fall to him on a on a plate, really, and and that that hasn't. Came in the last, you know, couple of weeks. Um, he's trying his hardest, and the longer it goes on, the more difficult it's going to get for him. So um, we'll we'll have to, you know, hopefully see what happens going into that game against Leicester, whether he's still in the starting lineup or not. We saw a bit more though of that selfish streak that maybe a striker needs. Well, I say it a bit more. We saw one instant of it where he had his back to go and he turned and he fired when it was probably a bit better or a bit easier to give it to Yedlin on the right, but he wanted to take the shot and you know Shiva would have done that. Carroll would have done that if he had had the chance. You know what I mean? I mean we need to see more of that from, from Joe Linton if he's gonna be prolific in the in the Premier League. Well yeah, I mean it's incredible standards when we're talking about Alan Shearer, but he's got that number nine shirt on his back, so 
in the eyes of a lot of people, he will be compared. But what you got to remember with Alan Shearer, he was absolutely world class. Um, Joe Linton, someone who's came in from a smaller team in Germany, he's come in with this massive price tag on his shoulders. There's so much expectation on him. I, I, I actually feel sorry for him. You know, it's uh, I suppose the fans who are paying the money. Um, they 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 may see it differently. They they want to see more, but I, I just feel sorry for him in terms of the expectation that's been placed on his shoulders. Um, he got paraded as you know Newcastle's main signing in the summer, um, and he's he's just had such a tough time. And you know you see him just seen him leaving the ground there, and, and he just looks he looks distraught really. And you just uh, hope that his luck will turn. But I, th- I think it's going to take. I mean, it doesn't for me. It doesn't look like a natural goal scorer. That's that's the biggest problem. He does look like someone who you know can hold the ball up, can get flick-ons, but I'm not expecting him to get bags of goals. But that's what he's been asked to do. Um, so hopefully, I say he's going to get something that really drops for him. And it, we keep saying we hope he gets a scruffy one. He's not getting even that at the minute, is he? He's maybe he's maybe it's going to take a a spectacular goal where something just drops from him and he hits it and it goes in and then he, he can sort of blossom from there but um, yeah it's it's difficult for him at the minute What did you make of the defensive performance of the team as a whole we mentioned there with Kieran that it wasn't what we were used to it was a bit they looked a bit stretched now it's made you know full use of that Yeah and I mean that's two goals now in, in two games that have conceded when we've lost possession on the halfway line and the defence hasn't reset properly it wasn't even the cleanest of strike from Carver-Lewin for, for the second one it was the scruffy goal and the defence just seemed to be in disarray really it was I mean I was saying this to Mark Douglas during the game about Fernandez. he came in the team and you know he, for three or four games looked really good but because He's not one of these players who's going to be in one of the top six teams. The consistency levels, you know, he's only human. He, he's only got so much ability. And I think in the last couple of games, I think he's looked pretty drained and it, it's been tough for him. So, uh, you know, Jamal Lascelles coming back after the new year. Kieran Clark, they just looked like they were missing them too today. They really did. Florian Lejeune looked a bit a bit tired as well. He changed his boots at half-time. Uh, he was getting the runaround in the first half. Maybe it was something to do with his boots. But you mentioned Fernandez there. There was inst- instance twice where he... Even Sher didn't look... You know, even Sher looked sixes and sevens, really, didn't he? He got the equaliser, but, you know, he got beaten in the air at Man United. And then today looked like he got roughed up a little bit um, in second half. I think it's, some of it is, yeah. Um, but the, the problem with that is, is that you know the pain fan will say that the professional athletes and they should be able to take that amount of games um but it's 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 mental tiredness as well isn't it so it's it's hard another tough game for Williams as well they obviously were having a lot of joy down Newcastle uh, Newcastle's left um yeah tough game for for him um I, I I didn't think he was one of the worst ones for me um if I'm being honest but I was probably I'm looking at it from an offensive point of view with a player like him because he's he's just Got that much ability, and he, you know he, had, he played his hand in the in the goal, crossed the ball in, um, and in the first half he had some good moments, um, you know some good trickery. I, I like him. I think he's a decent player. I think it's one that he'd definitely look to, to sign permanently. Um, but yeah, it's that 
when I look back on the game, it'll be obviously the mistake on the left-hand side that that's cost Newcastle. But that's where you've got to help your teammate out. If he loses the ball, you know everyone else has got to get back, and um, they, they just couldn't do it. And then after that, they just seemed drained of belief to to get the um, to get the equaliser. Obviously, Leicester next on New Year's Day, and the transfer window is open. You asked Bruce about having a full squad and whether he'd have to move some players yeah. on, and his response was was quite interesting regarding what might happen in January. Yeah, it was it was more. He opened up a little bit more than I thought he would. The fact he said that the spinning plates means the the looking at players, the speaking to agents, they're actually active. They're not. You know, some clubs have already declared themselves as not signing players. Newcastle have said quite the opposite there but the problem is 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 moving players on it's it's you've got people like Key and Muto who seem out of sorts and Key certainly publicly said via his dad that he wants to go but then the problem is even if you got rid of them two you've got Henri Survey um, Jack Callback on the books draining the club of almost 100,000 a week with the contra- the big contracts and uh, I know the the dilemma for Steve Bruce will be even if you did get rid of Key, then they would say yeah, but you've still got them too. So we could easily replace Key with Callback in the squad and give him a squad number for the second half of the season, um, which will go down badly with a lot of fans because they want to see new players coming in. But that's the financial side of it is that they you know they won't want to they'll they'll want to get rid of Jack Callback. They'll want to get rid of Henry Survey and then create the space in the squad um, so you can only have 25 players but I, for me I think they, today they did look like a team that you know you look down the bench and Gale came on and he, he didn't didn't look at it at all disappointing for him um, there, there didn't seem to be enough options um, Just finally before I get you to quickly sum up this this kind of first half of the season yeah. linked to the Brazilian striker yesterday um, what do you make of that? Is that something that you think? Because by the sounds of it, he's not going to be cheap. Is that something you can see Newcastle making a move for? Well, it's certainly a player they've looked at. We, we do know that for for certain. But people I spoke to last night said that the it was in Mercado. I think the the report was um, they said that that was premature. They weren't sure where that had come from. That there'd been an initial inquiry. So whether it was an agent. Um, trying to suggest it and then going to one of the newspapers over there which very often happens um, yeah that one for me I've, in the past I've put names to the club um, I've put names to, to people um, in and around the club and they've actually played it up but that one was being played down last night doesn't mean to say in the fullness of time it won't happen but you know because they've looked at him um, it could be one for the future, but at the moment, it looks like uh, it looks like Newcastle are looking at other targets. Just finally, then, like we said, two defeats in a row, the unbeaten run at home, which stretched to eight games, is over. But yeah. a positive first half of the season, and one that many people probably weren't expecting. Well, look, if they'd, if they'd won today and they'd moved on to twenty-five points today, and they were eleventh, we'd be probably pretty happy here tonight um, the fact of the matter is they're probably victims of their own success in a little way that they've, they've done so well and they've had that unbeaten run as you mentioned um, and now you know going in the new year they're probably you know, 15 points away from getting to safety um, 
you know, if they repeat what they've done already, then you know they're pushing on to fifty, probably top ten, top eleven. And at the, at the start of the season, many people would have accepted that, but because they've be they've done so well recently, and you know they've been you know about three points off a of European place at one point, um, you just wonder if they can you know get rested up and go into these next clutcher games, which will be tough. Uh, and maybe surprise a few people you don't know um, it's all to play for really that there is a Europa League spot there um, can they push for it depends on how they react to two successive defeats but you know I hope so I mean I've seen enough as I say the, the, the players are devastated tonight but with this result and I think there's enough people in there that care about the club um, for them to push on Hopefully so, Ali. Thank you very much. I'll let you head off. We'll go and find Mark Douglas to wrap up uh, this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. Now joined by Mark Douglas. Mark, um, the fans, back today, 52,000. Um, obviously everyone took up that half-season ticket offer. What did you make of, um, well, the full stands? The atmosphere was a little bit better, I thought. Um, you could definitely feel uh, feel more of a, you know, it didn't feel as flat as it had as it has done at times this season. Um, you know, there weren't any empty seats really. I mean, there were a few, but not, not too many. Um, but I think that was always going to be the case in the first game. It's Christmas. A lot of people are, are off work. A lot of people are off school, and um, you know there's always going to be a lot of demand for a game today in Everton. You know it's a pretty even, even kind of contest. So yeah, it was. I think in that in that respect, it was a success. You know, whether Newcastle have kind of, you know, whether they've just solved the short term, a, a long term problem with the short term measure is, I think, open to debate. Um, but in terms of what they were trying to do through that season ticket offer it's been a success um, but I think there'll be a lot of people you know who, who feel um, who've been boycotting who will probably feel justifiably quite quite angry about the fact that the t- that they've been the club has been forced to do this because it's Newcastle United I don't think they should be giving 10,000 don't have they shouldn't have to give 10,000 free season tickets away um, but you know in the short term it, it did work today Steve Bruce said that he felt a difference in terms of the atmosphere did you? Yeah, I think it was less flat. Um, the Everton fans made more noise than the Newcastle fans. I think they were, you know, they they they, they travelled in huge numbers and made a lot of noise. Um, and I think the, the you know the fans you could feel responded when Newcastle did something today. I, I think that was much better. It, it was it was a better atmosphere, I thought. And um, you know, he, he, I mean, Bruce said after the game that he felt that you know actually the fans got really up after the goal, um, and his players maybe naively sort of chased the game in response to that. They were trying to kind of continue things, and, and you know whether that's whether that's that's kind of true or not. Um, you know, it, it did have an it did have an impact. I think what will be interesting is whether. You know, if they lose another game on Monday, uh, Wednesday, and then it keeps going, that the results aren't as good. Whether you know we do start to see the empty seats again, because you might, you know, if you haven't paid for something, you, you value it a little bit less. And whether people will just say, oh, "I'm not going this week. I'll choose to go next week when they're playing somebody else," will will be interesting to see because that's the problem of giving away ten thousand free season tickets. You don't value it as much. You don't go necessarily if they're not playing very well. And I think that's that's the problem. But. In a, as a short-term measure, I think today, yeah, I could feel it was it was it was a better atmosphere, um, and uh, you know it, it was positive at times as well. 
What did you make of the front three then, uh, Almiron, Jolin and Carroll? Because there was a moment of brilliant play um, when Carroll knocked it down to Jolin and Jolin, first time ball, kind of over the top of himself and Almiron was, was played through and then he scuffs the shot into the, into the stands. But it, it was good on the eye, it was yeah. fast, it was exciting. Um, uh, I mean, obviously we have St Maxman who's, who's out injured for, for the next month or so. Um, but a platform there to build on and, and probably what Steve Bruce wants to see? Yeah, I think... I think that that probably that three is his first choice three at the moment. Um, you know, it's a weird one with Jolinton. Probably his best game today for a while. But for me, he's playing left forward. Now they've spent forty million pound on him to play number nine and score goals. You know, you can find a, a, a you know you can find somebody to play the left of a front three for a hell of a lot less than forty million pounds. So while it's obviously something they're going to do. I think probably they're going to they're going to try and do it to get the to get some some to get something out of him. It's it's problematic for me because you know they've signed him as a striker. He should you know he needs to be scoring goals. He needs to be in there doing what they wanted him to do. So it's it's going to be a problem if if that's where he ends up playing because they're never going to recoup the money that they they spent on him playing left forward, um, and he's not going to score the goals that's required of a forty million pound footballer up there so I have a problem long term but short term I think he played well today it'd be good to see him get his get his confidence up you know I, I'm really I'm a big fan of Andy Carroll just for just for you know the whole story of it and, and, and how well he's doing but you know he doesn't look like he's going to score a lot of goals you know, I don't think he's had many chances is this front three going to score a lot of goals you know again they haven't scored today didn't score on Boxing Day. They, they've not, you know, as a front three. I mean, Almiron scored obviously against Palace. He's probably the one that looks most likely to. But I, you know, I, I have worries, and I think, you know, your concern is that they've spent eighty million pounds in two transfer windows to strengthen this forward line, and they are we're coming back to the same problem in that they can't score. They had twenty minute spell at the end of the first half and ten minutes either side of the goal or five minutes either side of the goal where they should have scored. And the fact that they didn't capitalise on that, whereas Everton had less chances but scored, tells you everything. That's why they've lost the game today, and that's why they're, you know, they're, they're kind of there's this league table isn't of expected goals, which I think is a little bit, um, you know, it, 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 it's a metric. They're very rock bottom of that, and that's why people are concerned that when they start losing games, they'll keep losing games because they're overachieving. Now, it is question is now, isn't it, how sustainable? is it to play the way that they were playing and keep picking up wins when you start to play the better teams? And that's the question that we're going to see answered in the next few weeks. And that's probably why people are starting to get a bit concerned tonight. One question we seem to ask all the time on this podcast, I do apologise for asking it again, is about Dwight Gale and the position he plays in. Because again, he comes off the bench today and he's playing with his back to goal. He's trying to get onto the, the scraps Andy Carroll's knocking down. But for me, he, couldn't, he can't play that way. He needs to run off the last man and he wants the ball kind of curved round. If you're going to bring Dwight Gill off the bench, you've got to change the formation. How is it, it going to work? Well, they, try, they tried to change the formation three times today, which I think is, you know, it, it, it always feels a little bit alarming. I know we've praised in the past the, the sort of tinkering um, and, how, and how it's made a positive change. But, um, you know, when it doesn't work, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? This is the story of Newcastle season. When it doesn't work, you know, obviously when it has worked, we've been kind of like, oh, you know, well, hey, happy days. But when it doesn't work, it does look a bit of a mess. And it did, it did today, I think, at the end. The thir- three formations were played. The last one there you're talking about, they, they played 4-4-2 to try and get 
Carroll and Gale to sort of play off to play off each other. But I think you know this that was the issue with Gale. The the thing that you're talking about there was the issue with Gale under under Benitez in the first season back is that in the Championship they were he was prepared to play Gale that way to get the best out of him because he knew he'd score goals in the Championship. But they they tried it for the first half of the season in the Premier League and. They didn't think that Gale was doing or was getting enough joy out of Premier League defences to, to justify that. Um, and, and I think, you know, for all the nice words said by the manager about Dwight Gale, it, you know, he, he, must be un, he must be unconvinced because, you know, Jalinton's not scoring the goals. So you could argue if they'd played the way that you're advocating there, would Gale have scored more goals than Jalinton? Probably, probably. But I think it just feels to me as if there's no... You know, it doesn't necessarily feel as if there's that confidence in him that he's going to score the goals to to change the formation. But um, you know, it, it's up to Dwight Gale to prove people wrong, isn't it? But this is the problem that every Newcastle striker has had in the last three seasons of the Premier League. They play enough scraps, um, and it's probably the problem that Joe Linton had as well. Wasn't he? he wouldn't get many chances. He wasn't getting. They weren't creating enough. So that is an ever uh, an ongoing concern. And for 2020. There's a lot of work to be done, you know. I know. I, don't, I think they will sign players during this this next, not the next, maybe the next window, but over the next two windows, they will sign players. But it's how much surgery they can do to the team in that time. And but, you know, if they don't improve wholesale, then they are going to struggle um, in 2020 because, you know, it, it is sort of unsustainable pl- playing the way that they played um, and, you know, winning games. It's, it's probably not going to happen, but. Yeah, Gale's the Gale's the the sort of conundrum, isn't he? And if somebody comes in for him, will they sell him? I still think they will if it's a decent bid. You mentioned there the formations at the end. Natsu was playing at left back. Um, you've brought him on for his speed and, and his creativity. I mean, he didn't really do much in the position he was originally brought on to. On one hand, you say fair play to Steve Bruce. He's, he's throwing everything at it. He's trying to to get at least a point. On the other hand, like you say, it does look a bit uh, indisciplined. You know. It, yeah, I mean, Christian has to a left back. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, that's the kind of management style of Steve Bruce, isn't it? That it's he's a lot more instinctive than you know his, the pre, his predecessor. The you knew the way that Rafa Benitez wanted to play. The players knew they wanted to play, and his his motto was basically trust the process. Um, we know what we're doing. Stick with it. It might not you know might not work in the short term, but long term we will get the points that we need to stay up, and we will kick on. This manager is a lot more um, instinctive. He will react to things a lot more than than Benitez would have done. Now, you'll only know which has been a more successful strategy over sort of three years, won't you? When you compare the body of work of the two managers, but Rafa has a fantastic CV, whereas Bruce's is kind of you know more middling. I think it's it's fair to say in terms of in terms of the work he's done at the Championship and, and Premier League, and you know I think. Tactically, he's done really well in the last few months, especially since Leicester. You know, he's tinkered with things and it's come off um, for the most part since Leicester. But today, you could argue, I think three formation changes is too many. The three-five-two, I'm, I'm not convinced about. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. You know, obviously they won against Crystal Palace with it, but it wasn't convincing. And then they they were, you know, well beaten at Manchester United. He's changed it very early on today as well. I don't think you'll see him play that way against Leicester because that was the way they played, obviously, at, at, um, at Leicester and it didn't do that very well. But, you know, there is a point at which, you know, you wonder whether 
I suppose that he's in his defence at this time of year, they're making a lot of changes personnel-wise because they've got a lot of injuries. So he's having to change things tactically uh, as in, in terms of a system as well. But yeah, I mean, it's not something that you like to see because I think players, you could see Hayden was kind of coming over again and sort of asking for a clarification about where he was playing and, and these kind of things as well. I think that happened earlier in the season. So yeah, it's a, it, it, I, I don't want to see it in three different systems because it means that something's not going right. But then, you know, at least he didn't stick with a 3-5-2 that wasn't working because they did get more joy when they played 3-4-3. Three, three. Three, uh, well, Kevin Goban claims that Newcastle had three penalties. One, Almiron, one, Cowell at the end. And then probably there was one share did appeal for it, very soft. And there was even another Almiron where he, he felt he should have one in the, in the second half. For you, any of them penalties? Um, I think you could make a, definitely make a case for the Almiron one and probably Carroll as well. Um, but we've got VAR these days, and it's you know if if it's a clear you, you've seen that they are prepared to to sort of get involved if they think it's a clear clear and, and present mistake. The fact that it's not being judged to be makes me think that you know it's 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 less than fifty fifty in the eyes of two referees because there's somebody re refereeing the game in in Stockley Park, and you know look um, VARs I think. It's gone. It's exploded again today because there's been a lot of bad decisions. I think, um, and I hate VAR to be honest. I hate the, the application of it. I don't hate the idea of it. I hate the application of it in this year in the Premier League. But we've not had, apart from Shelby, we've not really. It's not really impacted on Newcastle too much this season. Um, and I think you have to say that although I felt it probably was a penalty, if there's two referees, I mean, I think Lee Mason had a pretty wretched game today. But if there's two referees both saying it's not a penalty, you kind of have to say, well it's at least worse than 50-50 in the eyes of two referees. So I, I kind of think that's probably where VAR is quite good because you sort of say, well, I, mean, I thought it was, but I'm looking at it through a Newcastle United perspective, kind of, and I have to accept that means I'm inherently biased probably on it because I always kind of, you know, I, I, I want the team to win, I want the team to do well. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's, it, I mean, it has changed the game, but I, I don't think it, you know, necessarily is a, is the biggest injustice of the season. Um, and Newcastle have come and kind of come off well in some decisions um, over the last few weeks. So I, I, I'm, you know, maybe we just have to sort of say he looks he looks out today. But it's been in in the last few weeks. So that's one of those things. And just finally for myself, um, Steve Bruce there mentioned spinning a few players when it comes to the January window. Um, we've got Lee's take on it. But what's your take on on it? Because if Newcastle lose against Leicester and that's three three defeats on the, on, the, on the bounce, you would arguably say, well, actually, maybe not just for a bit of a change, but actually just for, for the atmosphere to give people a bit of a booster, a loan signing or what have you, it's probably needed. Yeah, and, and I think I think the transformative power of a signing is, is always, you know, is, is, is considerable. I think, you know, we saw that with Almiron at the end of last, at the end of last season, you know, in the last two transfer windows, last two January transfer windows, Newcastle have had players who've changed, changed the way that the season's gone. Obviously, Almiro on last season, Dubravka and um, Kennedy obviously came in the season before that, the season before that as well. So they have they have done that in the past, and it has it has worked. The mood music around the transfer window is pretty downbeat. Um, I think it was quite interesting because today was the first time he's really said anything that made you think, "Oh, that's quite interesting." He said that we've got some plates spinning, whereas previously it's been very much. We don't think we're going to do it. Or, you know, not that we're going to do. We will do something if there's something out there to do, which is which is kind of you know shorthand for me. Does 
look, prepare yourselves, nothing might happen. I don't, they've obviously not got anything lined up quickly, um, but you know, circumstances might change their approach. I definitely think that if they sell somebody, they'll try and bring somebody in, either on a loan or you know, a, a, a something else. I mean, we saw there was a link yesterday in France that Everton Suarez, the um, Gremio wing and Newcastle played that down and just basically killed that one um, yesterday but it, it you know it would not surprise me if there was things going on behind the scenes that they were trying to play down Newcastle will Newcastle's kind of belief is at the moment if you you know if you don't over promise you won't under deliver if you will so they, they, they're not going to big up their chances of signing somebody but the, the, I think there's well I know there's things going on behind the scenes um, but it's whether you know obviously they have to sell players anyway to get players out of the 25 man squad in order to do something they could really do with something I think I've always felt that but there's a massive premium in January as well um, for me the, the the period that's really important is now the next sort of I mean from now Saturday now to the next Saturday as well because there's a big FA Cup game against Rochdale potential banana skin because you know they'll be up for it um, and Newcastle are probably going to have injuries going into that game so they're going to have to make changes so you know <laughs> It's a really important one. If they can get something out of Leicester, win the FA Cup game, and then sort of maybe we can start to breathe a little bit easier again. But this is, the, the thing with Newcastle United is, and it's what makes the club great and what makes it sort of difficult as well it's, in, in, some, some circumstance, in some respects, is that it is a club that feels like momentum generates quickly and worry, anxiety kind of generates quite quickly as well. Um, and... You know that's the problem, isn't it? That if they lose that game, then maybe okay. Even if they get past Rochdale, they've got Wolves the week after. Well, they're banging form, could lose that one, and then you know something like a transfer would be needed to kind of bring things out. But I don't think that's the way the hierarchy look at it. Sometimes I think that they look at it as we'll make business decisions based on these signings. We don't just sign players to make things feel better. But I think they could do something. I think they, they could do with something to make it a little bit different. Bear in mind, though, they're missing a lot of players. Put Alan Samaxman on today and maybe Matt Ritchie even and Jamal Lascelles. And it's a different Newcastle, isn't it? It's a different Newcastle United. I mean, St. Maxman's so important. It's such a massive blow for him to get to be missing for Christmas. Um, but, you know, they're just going to have to put up with it. He's not coming back before, probably before Chelsea. And that'll be the first game he might even be in contention for. And that's quite a, a long spell, isn't it? Well, there you have it. Um, this has been everything's Black and White podcast. We might be back before the Leicester game with a preview, but if not, wish you uh, a, a happy new year.